I run a business and I care about the people in that business. Yeah. Yeah. And so other people do stuff. That's so great. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay. But anyway, let's get started. Let's dig in. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Drop at DFT. I'm Nancy Jundy, your humble host, COO here at Digital Film Tree. You are in our DFT talk season of The Drop, an extension of DFT University, coming at you soon. Uh, joining us today on our equity episode of The Drop, many of you, that is probably the most mail we have ever taken uh, about The Drop, on The Drop, after our diversity episode. So we are very excited today to come back to the table with a special episode with Katie Hinson, who is the creator of the Rate Survey. Uh, you might also know it as Post-Production Data Survey. And... Uh, you will hear more about this. We have a new website that she's going to talk about so that you can actually see all the years of that collection of data. Also joining us today, super excited, Avital Shalev, Director of Creative Services here at Digital Film Tree, coming back to the drop after she hero-momented and was on one of our most watched drops ever, The Lasso Vibe. It is really exciting to have both of you here. Avital is probably the the biggest heart here at DFT, who is also as impassioned about equity, inclusion, diversity, seeing yourself on the screen, behind the camera, um, mentorship. She speaks at different schools. She mentors with, with a passion for how that will impact individual lives. Katie, I'm excited to dig into kind of how you got to this place to even mm -hmm. create this survey, why all of this matters to you, why you've allowed us to partner with you in this experience. Um, and also talk about how this impacts a very different industry today mm -hmm. than it was, oh, you know, like seven, eight months ago, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, even right? seven, eight years ago. Yeah. So this is celebrating its um, eighth year. That's right. Term, yeah? yeah, you're right. Tell me how this all came about. <laughs> So um, I'm one of the founders of the Blue Collar Post Collective. Mm -hmm. We started out in New York with 12 people at a bar. And it, <laughs> it's very it, New York. <laughs> it, grew, it grew really, really fast, like really fast um, to the largest nonprofit of its kind in the world. Um, and it's amazing, right? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it happened so organically, but it really came out of just a bunch of people who work in the industry wanting to give like sort of make the industry a little bit more welcoming to people coming in, right? And it was just wanted a way to give back and build community. Um, and a lot of the initiatives that the Blue Collar Post Collective was able to, to do really came from within the community. Mm -hmm. So when we, when we got to 40 people, <laughs> we were like, man, there's so many of us, we could actually have an impact. And mm -hmm. that was sort of how it came about. And of course we did. I mean, the BCPC became a movement. Um, and what, so I put it together as a nonprofit with, with Janice Vogel officially so that we would be able to launch initiatives, have funding, do things and allow people to just do the things that they felt passionate about that would make the, the industry a better place. Mm -hmm. And, um, back in 2016, um, it was absolutely humming on Facebook cause that was cool back then. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were asking all the time, people were asking like, how much should I get paid to do this? Like, how much is a colorist paid? How mm -hmm. much is an editor paid? I'm getting my first gig. What should I get paid? And a lot of people really wanted to help but didn't want to put it out there on Facebook. This yeah. is what I get paid. And so I had this idea, like, why don't I make it so that people can do that anonymously? Mm. Contrib just 
then say what it is they get paid, and then people can have access to that. Keep it super simple. Probably still half the questions on blue right? collar post yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and everywhere you see it. You see it all the time. People want to know. I started in 2016. I just put together like a Google form, kept it real simple. Um, that first year, it was pretty, pretty simple. But it was sort of capturing a little bit about yourself so that you could you know, so that people could find people that are like them and really compare apples to apples. Mm -hmm. And then we could get a certain sort of a sense of like what what people generally get and, and what people get paid in New York versus L.A. and things mm -hmm. like that. It was pretty simple that first year. And it's and the foundational questions have stayed pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. Gender, uh, gender, race, location. Uh, you know, what do you do? How long have you been doing it? Mm -hmm. And what do you get paid? Yeah. And then. It was really, really popular, obviously. People started to, uh, giving me the feedback that they're using it, um, they're using it and filtering it and finding people like them and seeing, even if there's not a huge amount of data to give an average, you might even yeah. just find one person like you. How did you decide who, in that first year, who you send it to? Was it just started at your own little network and then kind of like expanded from there? Like The Blue Collar Post Collective by then was pretty big. It was a pretty oh, big okay. Facebook group. So you group. started with, okay. Yeah, so um, I started, we started with a Facebook group. I think by then we were talking and it was pretty much just the US at that point. And we would have had maybe 10,000 folks on the Facebook group at that point. So um, I was able to get my, I think that first year, about 1,500 people took the survey. Oh, wow, okay. So, you know. Today yeah. it's 24,000, like that, yeah. so it is, okay. yeah. And that's what Quite without a... a lot of people on Facebook, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was how I got those people. And I also, um, because the BCPC was, very still very on the ground everybody yeah. was very in person we you know um me and a bunch of the other folks would just go to people and be like hey have you done the survey right mm -hmm. um it, we all worked at post houses yeah so we'd just go around work and be like hey have you done the survey and they'd be like what survey you'd be like this one i'm going to send it to you um and that's how we also mm -hmm. managed to get like not just the people that are in bcpc board you'd be surprised who's in there though like there are people who are there are like Oscar-winning editors, they're a top mm -hmm. colorist. Like everybody's there, they're just not necessarily as vocal. Mm -hmm. um, so we made sure we got a really good uh, span of people. Then 2017, um, I was curious to see if the gender pay gap was a thing. Because you know how, like, we kind of know. So it wasn't there originally. No, I just didn't look at it. Yeah, I just didn't look at. I didn't look at okay. the data. I was just like filtering it, being like, "This is fascinating." Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And and then the second year, I was like, you know, we we know about the pay gaps, the the gender and the racial pay gaps, but it feels like a theory, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started, so I was like, what? I'm going to look at this, and I was watching, and I could see it coming in, and. Honestly, I, it was the one of the most shocking to my core things. It's like you know it's a thing. They tell you it's a thing, but when you see it, and these are people. These are people I work with. Yeah, I don't know who is who, right, but these but are people I know. Sure. And that was a moment for me. I was like, I was just like, holy shit! There it is. There it is. Mm -hmm. Wow. The women I work with are paid less than the men I work with for the same job. And the people of color I work with are paid less than the white people. This is, and, and just seeing it there mm -hmm. in our community from real people, not knowing for what reason and how, or anyone right. else mm -hmm. in any kind of context, it's just there. 
Did you just go like run shouting down the street? Like this is true. It's true. <laughs> I did, and and that was why I was like, this neat people need to know about this. Yeah. Um, so I kept doing it in 2020. Actually, I should check that. I think it was in 2020 because if I look at my previous years, yeah, 20 actually 2021 was the first time I did the written report. So 2020, I mm -hmm. think if years before that, what I would do is I'd be like, I want to tell everybody about what I'm seeing. So I would just get out there and make a big noise about it mm -hmm. um, everywhere I could. And then in 2021, um, I actually proposed that I would do um, a presentation for the HPA uh, Tech oh. Retreat Conference yeah. on what the findings were. Um, because I think previous years I'd, I'd written it up in different publications mm -hmm. and whatever I could just because I was like, people need to see this, people need to know. So then 2021, I started doing the fancy report and the report, like everyone loves it. It's so, well, it's yeah. digestible. Yeah. It looks yeah. nice. Very good design. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, and the report, I, I was sort of digest it down to, to get some of that data um, and give it snapshots. So you don't have to get into the raw data right. to actually just see what's up. Right. So a lot of the feedback I've started getting from, from that, it's interesting. The report, a lot of... Um, folks interested in um, equity and diversity and um, look at the report, right? The execs look at the report. Mm -hmm. um, and the people doing the work in, in DE and I are looking at the report. And then the individual folks on the ground are looking at the raw data. And one thing I've actually found, because it, it, it's hosted on Google, my Google Drive, <laughs> mm -hmm. is I can see who, 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 you know, people accessing like, it. Yeah, who looks at it. And what I'm noticing is that almost every day of the year, at least somebody, at least one person accesses that raw data, mm -hmm. which really shows what an impact it's having. And people talk to me about it all the time when they know that that's the thing that I do. And they say, yeah, this has been a huge thing. I, I, I am going for a job. That's the first place I go. If I'm going to go get a job and, and want to know, make sure I'm getting the right amount of money mm -hmm. for it, that's where I go. And when I started hiring people, that's where I would go too. Right, I, I was hiring people. I would go into the data and I'd be like, "Well, what's what's market rate for this?" Um, and I'm hearing that too. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah, from from other hiring managers. I wish I had that. Yeah. When I came into this business, like. yeah. Sorry, let me no. know. I was going to say was, this is probably a good time for for you to share that it actually now has one central home. Yeah. So it was part of the BCPC for ages. Um, I exited the BCPC and handed over to new leadership. Um, in 2016 and then in 2019 kind of moved away completely so that I wouldn't be hanging over it um, and um, and I know that you know the, the new leadership are, are doing amazing work um, but I thought you know to make it easier and more centralized the, this work that I'm doing um, I am putting I've decided to put it on its own website um, and so it's much easier for people to find yeah. mm -hmm. um, so I have hacked together a little website where you can find it all um, easily linked. It's postproductiondata.com. And all the previous year's uh, uh, reports and data sets are there. So all seven years and then after this one's done this year, eight years worth. Um, and then you'll also be able to find this year's survey on the homepage. Mm -hmm. So every year so far I've done it in October. So the survey's been open for the month of October. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we get a snapshot every year of the industry. This year I'm doing it in November um, because 
I didn't think I was going to do it this year. <laughs> um, so it's a little late. I like it. Because. I know, she's very. She turned into Alexis um, Rose. Yeah. And I, yeah, I felt that I was just, I was kind of, it was too hard, you know. Social media is fractured. I don't have the reach that I did mm -hmm. before. I don't, um, and I'm not as com connected to the post community as I used to be. I, I, I kind of moved out of post-production a few years back. And as well, as much as I still want to serve the community, I just don't have the reach. And the reach is important because I, we need to tell people the survey's there yeah. so mm -hmm. that they can get, so they can do the fill it in and we can get enough data set for it to be meaningful. Um, and so I did, you, you know, I, I put it up on Twitter, like at the start of October, hey, this is why you haven't seen the survey from me this year. Um, I don't think I can do it. I just don't have the social media reach. You know, transparently, I didn't know about the survey. Right. And so when I saw your post that was probably served to me because somebody in my network of post people right. had liked it or commented on it. And when I saw it, I was like, well, I, I mean, I, th I think I can help. Like, yeah. that seems like something. And so that was, that was, that was kind of a perfect, like, for DFT, for those who haven't been watching every single drop episode since, <laughs> since we started. Um, but it's, it's why, like, even if you do go back to the Lasso vibe and we talk about the culture here mm. and how important it was, like, you know, when Avital started here, like, four years ago, um, I had just come back to DFT. I had mm -hmm. been here in 2011. And back then, uh, you know, yeah, there was there was a handful hmm. of women in what was a 20-person company. But when I came back here, uh, we talked about this on the diversity episode. Mm. It was Lacan holding it down so far as, like, diversity here. Mm. As the one Filipino, and there were two three other women here mm -hmm. and I remember like asking you to come on and I'm like want to change things together <laughs> that's cool and I answered no <laughs> yeah at first <laughs> she really did <laughs> but I mean in looking yeah. back at you know our our time since like you scroll through the website and it's just like dang and yeah. it had nothing to do with um a hiring initiative or a mm. diversity benchmark, but more that I knew to look in mm -hmm. certain places. That's yeah. the thing. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, but we, we don't get any applicants. Like, it's like, yeah, you have to go to where they are. If you're yep. only posting here, you're, not gonna, you're only going right. to get these people. Yep. One of the things that the survey has actually been really useful for is that people would say to me, where do I find these people, right? One of the big ones was, you know, obviously colorists got put on blast. When mm -hmm. this data mm -hmm. came oh, out, yeah. colorists got put on blast pretty hard, right? Oh, yeah. Real bad. And so, you know, I'd get like, where do you find a black female colorist? Like, where mm -hmm. are they? Where are these qualified people? Um, and the thing is that the data shows that they're there, right. mm -hmm. but they're hidden because you know where they are? They're relegated to the less high-profile mm -hmm. stuff. You've, there are colorists who identify as black and people of color and women mm -hmm. and, uh, and non-binary people who are experienced, very experienced colorists yeah. mm -hmm. who are in uh, unscripted content, mm -hmm. who are in commercials, who are in other kinds of content and because they're, it's you know, less glorious or whatever and less well-paid, 
Um, and so my answer is that's where you go to find them. You've got incredibly skilled people. And honestly, I always say, if you can make shit shine, you can make good shit look amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's that's been a, a huge part of also what this data can do for us is go, well, here's where you find these qualified people. They're just not in your they're just not in your living room, Absolutely. but they're in someone else's. Yeah. And um, and so that's been really cool because actually now we're seeing um, last year's report, I, I looked at actually back at previous years and looked at the changes and oh, we're yeah. seeing, that's what I'm trying yeah. to like digest as I'm yeah. going through it all. It's I'm like, cool. I need like a, I need yeah. like the full on side by sides of even the hourly and like, yeah. This is, you it can is see, wild. Yeah, you can see the changes. Like, like last year, I really went back five years mm -hmm. and showed how the pandemic changed things, which was really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so every year I, I do pretty much the standard questions and then some more year specific questions. So obviously the pandemic was a big one for a long time. Um, this year I'm adding um, a couple of things. One was a, a really good suggestion that I got um, to add within the demographic um, section. Um, a little bit of data on to capture disability uh, people with disabilities yep. in our industry. Um, it was sort of a bit of feedback that was given to me that that those people are a little bit invisible, and yeah. it's important we often forget about that. So that's going to go in there now, um, this year. And the other thing being that I'm going to keep the the questions on uh, work from home and hybrid. I think that's another mm -hmm. thing that I want to see that kind of I want to see how that's changing because it was so interesting to look yeah. at last year. Um, and then the other thing that I want to add, obviously, is how the strikes have impacted uh, folks mm -hmm. this year. So if you uh, jump into the survey to take it this year, you'll see that there's also a question on whether you were working full time in July and whether you're working full time now so that we can actually see how many people have been impacted um, by that. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be it's wow. going to be really important. Just for really to quick it. to yeah. go back to the disabilities part. Yeah. Um, that's actually been kind of a, a wonder for us. So I actually, I think we talked about it briefly. Like mm -hmm. I took a break from post-production and went into software and Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. And I was helping to recruit right. in those capacities. And it left such a huge mark on me mm. when I discovered um, there was an initiative with the Department of Defense to capture... Uh, more applicants from a wide variety of disabilities. Mm -hmm. Part of that was um, after Bacalan in Paris, the attack there, we were just so vulnerable mm -hmm. with cybersecurity and InfoSec here in America. And one of the biggest, most like dumbfounded moments was, well, if we need more certified ethical hackers, like we need people that want to, to be emboldened and impassioned. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea, have you ever met somebody that <laughs> wanted to be in the military and was turned away because of a right. disability? Yeah. Like this is their time. Yeah. Yeah. And so they created cool. a whole initiative to get more people mm -hmm. with disabilities to serve in that capacity, mm -hmm. even if it meant teaching them that skill so that they would yeah. have that. Cool. And so then I also knew all of those channels nice. to start recruiting people from those capacities. That's cool. And it was like, God, if only yeah. people would think outside right? of the box yeah. a little. Yeah, well, I was. I was a, a few years ago. I, I wrote an article uh, for the Frame.io blog, actually, mm -hmm. um, about a production company that I was that I knew about. I, I moved back to New Zealand for a little while, and I and I was uh, working with this production company or alongside them um, that was almost entirely staffed and run by people with disabilities, creating content 
by, for, and about people with disabilities. It was actually one of New Zealand's biggest production companies. It's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and I spent time like, like mm -hmm. speaking with these folks. And one guy, he's he's a multiple award-winning editor. Mm -hmm. um, he's a wheelchair user, and he said to me, "People with disabilities are the best people to hire for creative jobs." because every single moment of every single day, the things that you take for granted and don't mm -hmm. think about, we have to be creative to solve around those things. Mm -hmm. Just getting up in the morning and going to work, yeah. we have to creatively problem solve a way around how to navigate the world. And I was just like, bro, <laughs> like that is, why, why would I never think of that? It was incredible and, and for, it really stuck with me and, and I really do think that there's a, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of folks that are working and thriving in our industry who are living with disabilities who mm -hmm. aren't counted in these things. Right, and yeah. so we want to make sure that they are. Um, and I think it's also important to highlight whether there are any pay discrepancies, which I'm sure there are, whether there are opportunity discrepancies. Um, I do see that in the data, mm -hmm. um, where the opportunities are and where they fall off. Um, there are glass ceilings for a lot of different kind of demographics. Yeah. So really looking at that stuff and seeing where they are and what they're doing. Um, you know, that's a big part of it too. So I, I'm really, you know, I really do just encourage people to, to be counted in this because I want to capture our whole community. Mm -hmm. um, not just Hollywood, not just the unions, not just editors, but everybody. Um, so that we can really just take that snapshot of ourselves and and put it out there as like, this is who we are, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, and, and it's gonna go into something I think we kind of talked about a little earlier today with you have the post-production guild Mm -hmm. starting to emerge or the yeah. post haste movement mm -hmm. and it is a lot bigger than I think people or we as a post community are a lot bigger than I think most people realize yeah. because IATSE is a giant union mm -hmm. but that's yeah. that's that's a union yeah and you have all these people operating yeah. outside of it and that's IATSE right. itself is like yeah. hair and makeup and all these yeah. like non post things as well but it's when you just take out editors, assistant editors, online editors, mm -hmm. VFX editors, assistant VFX editors, yeah. deliverable operators, like all of these people. One of my favorite moments with taking mail on the drop is when people were writing in saying that they did not know that dailies was a job. Oh yeah. And but just a lot of to be, don't. that's the thing, like to be aware yeah. that you can have a career in something yeah. that you love, like film and television. And it doesn't, yeah. This is the second time I'm going to make this quote on the on this season of the drop, but it's not either sling crack rock or you have a wicked mm -hmm. jump shot. Like there are fields in between. You don't mm -hmm. have to be on the star on the screen and you don't have to be the consumer of it. Are you taking advantage of opportunities or is the opportunity taking advantage of you? Yeah. It's also part of like, you know, just general, especially if you go the course of like, you know, film school or right. like arts. I mean, it's so focused on yeah. production mm -hmm. and then the post yeah. in your mind is what we call here offline post to so the creative mm -hmm. creative editor yeah. um uh not taking into account like the yeah. online editor the color like every time i try to explain to people post they're like oh i guess they do i guess mm -hmm. you do do color and mm -hmm. what is color? you mm -hmm. know like it's all those like question and not understanding that it's 
probably not, probably maybe not as big as production in regards to the amount of people in it, uh, because it doesn't work in the same right. kind of way. But there's a whole field there, mm -hmm. and I do. I literally remember mm. going, understanding that I'm. That's the direction that I am going to head in supposed as opposed to production. Mm -hmm. And my number one question every time I looked for work, especially somebody who comes from outside mm. of the U.S. Um, and <laughs> right, and, and you're like, okay, yeah. so what are people making here? Because yeah. mm -hmm. you know, I come from a country where the money is not even the same as here. So it's like, yeah. what should I be asking for? Which is, anyways, right. a very heated, yeah. you know, conversation as a woman, also of what I sure. deserve, right? But yeah. but it's like, just give me like an idea, and just trying to research yeah. that. And at the time, this was like 20 years ago. Yeah. So this obviously wasn't, wasn't existing yeah. yet. But like, what a service. Like, I for... wish I'd known. Like, I right. wish I'd known. Exactly. You know, I, it's the reason why I started doing a lot of this work in the BCPC and, and all of that was it all came at a point in my career where I realized I had some power. Mm. There was a point in my career where I suddenly realized I had power. And I had spent a lot of my career without that. And I started working when I was... 15 years old in, in this industry, in television. I spent a lot of time as the youngest person around and, you know, and a woman and from a background that was not what everybody else was from, you know. And, you know, so I always, I didn't have power and there were people who stood up for me. And I always felt that I owed an enormous debt to those people and I needed to pay it forward. Um, there were people who mentored me, stood up for me, took me under their wing and spoke, used their voice to speak for me and lift me up. That's how I got where I am today. And so I always swore that when I get the power that I can do that, I will do that. And I will be a mentor to others and I will lift others up and I will be that voice for the people who don't have the power to speak because they might lose their job or they'll get in trouble. As soon as I'm at a point where I'm not gonna you know, have that problem, that's what I'm gonna do. There was a, I suddenly realized one day that I am in that position. I got this whole like, what are you gonna do, fire me moment? And I was like, ah, <laughs> now's the time. Now's the time I'm gonna start really committing to that. So um, that was really a big part of what launched that part of my life where I decided to be that, I just, what are you going to do? You know, um, I'm going to say the things that people can't say. I'm going to I'm going to start talking about how interns are exploited. I'm going to start talking about that stuff and be loud about it. And I'm going to start calling out the companies that are doing that. And what are you going to do? Um, and so, you know, even this, even the fact that I can sit here and I can be the face of this and I can say, yeah, I'm going to collect this data. And I'm going to call out the pay gaps. I'm going to say these people need to do better. I'm going to call out employers for not doing better. This is on them. Yeah. And this is on them making the effort. This is not on the people that are being, you know, that that are not being hired at the same rate. Right. You know, and that's a big part of it. I think that one of the things that I've called out the most around the data that I've gathered that I've seen is that people of color are overrepresented in low-level jobs. And so you get all these productions and post houses and facilities that go, we've got loads of black people. Look, we've got a black lady on reception and we've got a black lady in client service. We're so diverse. And look, we've got all these black interns. And and then that is, is the thing that 
there's all these people going to put all their effort and diversity efforts and encouraging these people to enter the industry. Let's encourage more people right. of colour to enter mm -hmm. the industry. Let's give them that opportunity. They don't need that encouragement. They're here. They're overrepresented in those low-level jobs. Yeah. What you're not doing is is, raising is raising them up at the same rate as you are white people. And that is in the data. It's there. Mm -hmm. When you look at years of experience, what they are doing and what their demographic data yeah. is, it is there. So I do want to make something clear just in case anybody is listening <laughs> to this and they're like, oh my God, what if she gets me fired for answering this? It, no, it's, it's anonymous. anonymous. <laughs> it is anonymous. It's anonymous. Even I don't know who you are. So um, no. <laughs> like it is, it's a, it's a Google yeah. Doc yeah. and you can go to there. She's not yeah. tracking your IP or anything like that. Um, yeah. that I think is very yeah, important, especially yeah. Yeah. so that people know that they yeah. can be, this they can be is, candid. It will, look, and we're not, all I'm tracking is all I'm, all, you know, the questions you'll see it when you, when you, when you check out the survey, when you fill it in, it's very, very generic. You know, yeah. it, it, there's, your name is not there. It is sort of where, what state are you in? Mm -hmm. What gender do you identify with? What race do people mm -hmm. perceive you as? And those that was things, kind of why I yeah. went back to the 2022 responses because yeah. I was like, what do you mean you call out the company? And so it's more like, you mean if you know you see like a huge influx from like a big studio or something. No, I don't even know where they come from. That's what I mean. No, so no, I'm no. Like, As in I call out companies because I'm in a position to call out companies. Mm -hmm. I will be, um, you know, people talk to me about diversity because they see me as the person with the answers yeah. because here I am. So companies will come to me or leaders of company and because I've been the head of a post, of post houses, um, fellow heads of post houses would come to me and go, okay, I'm one of the good guys. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a, you know, I've got a Latina lady, I think. <laughs> um, and, you know, and but I would I was able to actually say to my colleagues who are running post houses, hey, look, here's the data. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. um, you're you're not you're not doing as well as you think you are. And some of the organizations, I think I, I've, I don't have a problem criticizing um, those who, again, are putting their limited resources towards DEI initiatives, towards initiatives that don't move the needle because they're not that necessary. Again, if you're an organization that's looking at trying to make a difference in our industry, again, encouraging young people into the industry is not the problem. Film schools are actually are actually gender split around 50-50 on average, mm -hmm. right? So you don't, and, and that is like, you don't, you don't need to be encouraging women to get into the industry. You've got to be supporting them once they're in yeah. and, and helping them thrive. Um, and, and rethinking your idea of what um, a woman in technology looks like when you're going, okay, I'm going to hire somebody to be my dailies mm -hmm. operator. What comes to mind for you? Yeah. And, and that's Rachel a big Slott, part of it. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. I'm so proud today we finally got to hire her. <laughs> there are actually a lot of women and non binary people in workflow oh, yeah. uh, and tech, and, and yeah. It, but people still sit here and think workflow and tech is a bunch of white dudes. This is about empowering people with the tools to get what they deserve. And it's really amazing when, when that information is transparent and you know what the top colorists are making, you can value yourself 
and you yeah. can go in there and say, I am a top colorist. I am this. This is what I want. And, you know, and there's all of this, you know, information that talks about how, for example, how women negotiate differently to men and all of these things. And it's like, well, if I can provide the tools for people to get more, if they want to be empowered to yeah. do that, to go, actually, this is what a colorist gets if they have this amount of experience and this is what they're working on and this is what they do in, in this city, you know, whatever, then... This is what this is what you're. This is the this is sort of here is the here is the essentially the band. Right. You you, you put yourself within that band yeah. somewhere and you go get that because otherwise how would we even know? Exactly. I think that's the biggest thing. Right. Like, how would we even know? Yeah. We didn't. Yeah. Like we literally didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You navigated somehow, and then you realize right. a lot of things right. <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. But twenty so, years ago, it was like, and also. Uh, we have a similar story in the fact that, like, I worked for one of the first female founders in Post, mm -hmm. as did she. And, like, thankfully, you had mm -hmm. a much kinder, gentler experience <laughs> in that capacity. But at least there was some model of yeah. what could be and feeling like somebody understood what we were going mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure this also yeah. gives people that feeling as well. You know something that's really interesting looking at the past five years. So last year I looked at the, I looked at the past five years and looking at how the pandemic affected things. Um, and then, you know, so one of the things that was really interesting was the binary gender pay gaps. Mm. And one of the things that happened was that in 2018, it was 13 percent. Uh, in 2019, it was 15 percent. In 2020, in 2020, when a lot of people got laid off, the pay gap shot up to 22%. And what that shows is that it suggests that women were laid off at higher rates than men. And, it, and then I noticed that coming back in 2021 and 2022, back down to 15%. So 2022 got back to 2019 levels. Mm -hmm, yes. So I'm really interested to see what the what? data is this year. Um, I thought that was really interesting. But the other thing that happened with the pandemic was that the pay gap between those who work in the major cities, New York and LA, and those who work in other places in the US closed. Oh. Because it suddenly didn't they matter where you were. Kind of moved, yeah. Yeah. So you know that was certainly something that that made a huge difference. That the the New York, LA versus other US pay mm -hmm. gap went from in 2019 12.4 percent to four percent in 2020. So that's significant. It was significant. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was really fascinating. And then we saw it starting to come up. Went back to 2018 levels uh, mm -hmm. in 2022. So again, let's see where it is. Like, uh, is there a, a, are they forcing people back and only hiring people from and within still those you, cities? You're going to have such a challenge this right. year because of the strike and, yeah. and everything. Because it's like how yeah. you, you can, especially for all those who have been laid off mm -hmm. or furlough or whatever. It's yeah. Like you take the data, the early data, and you yeah. try to base it as opposed to where it is, like maybe right now. Is it, or like, are you asking now? people, like, what did you make this year? So, or... the way that the questions are structured are it's a snapshot of the moment, mm -hmm. it's a snapshot of now. So, you are asked to report on your current or most recent gig. 
Now, if you're somebody who does a different thing every single day, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people are like, oh, but I'm working on a film one day and a commercial the next day, it's what are you doing most recently? What did you do today, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's really what we're taking a snapshot of. And a lot of people worry that, oh, but that's not really gonna be, it's like, there are so many, this data is set is so big, it's not gonna skew anything, don't worry. Um, because there's going to be enough people just like you who happen to be doing the other thing today right. that it's going to be cool. But you know, that's that, essentially that's, why you want as yeah. many people as that's possible right. to, yeah. to join. Yeah, exactly. Whether it's it, so, we're capturing how jobs are paid by your current or most recent job, and then uh, there will be questions around whether you're currently working right. uh, as well. And were you working in July, and are you working today? We'll capture whether or not you know how how people are. Uh, affected by the strikes and I think I think what are we gonna see this is my one little prediction Ooh. I think someone get her a crystal ball yeah I think that people are gonna be surprised on the aggregate at how it has impacted people less than we think oh. because we forget about the depth and breadth yeah. of the industry sure and we think that the industry exists in Hollywood, and it does, but that's only a piece of it. Right. And there are people being very successful doing you know, content creation, doing houses of worship, doing educational content for museums, True. doing all kinds, I've got a friend who does content at NASA. I mean, that stuff that's not impacted, I think we underestimate that all the time. I think we see our industry as Hollywood-centric, and we forget that there's so much more to it. So I just did. I think, yeah. So <laughs> you I reminded think, me. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's not really just right. at all. Like, and and I think that's going to be probably the thing that that people maybe will get out of it this year. That's just my prediction. I don't know. That's just my prediction. Yes, we have, you have to book her for next year's drop <laughs> to do I, a follow let's up. Let's do that now. <laughs> but I mean, right? You're not wrong because yeah. even for us, you know, very fortunate that we have weathered but that's mm -hmm. because it's not just television right. for a lot us. of people have pivoted as well we've had yeah. a lot of restoration mm -hmm. work um we're fortunate that we have people that have uh continued to bring either unscripted yeah. or promo and things like yeah. that through the doors and again like we also it, it, it varied revenue sources mm -hmm. and that's so right. i think a lot of people as as much solidarity is as there mm -hmm. is for writers, actors, IATSE, Teamsters, there are so many people who I keep referring to, ourselves included, as consequences. Yeah. yeah. Like nobody's yeah. out there protecting yeah. for us. Nobody's out yeah. there, you know, sharing. Yeah. And by us, I don't just mean like, you know, the vendors, but it's also Post. if, you know, yeah. a finishing producer is a finishing producer is a finishing producer, yeah. whether Sylvia's sitting here or if a show... Uh, is small if we have mm -hmm. shows that have like their own, yeah. you know, yeah. dailies people and yeah. things like that. So um, I think this is hugely, hugely yeah. helpful. Have we missed any like, holy cow, I can't believe that you had like moments where you're like, I did not see that coming from the, I didn't expect to see that. I think one of them was that last year I really saw where some pay gaps were closing and I saw the positive impact of the work. And when mm -hmm. I say, I don't just mean this work, I mean the work. I mean the work that mm -hmm. you've been doing, the work right. that a lot of us have been doing probably for the last five to mm -hmm. 10 years, putting pressure on, on holding the industry more accountable to doing better. 
um, and where that's been. We've seen it out there and mm -hmm. we've seen people trying to put in the work. Um, we've seen editors actually going out there knowing more that this is something they need to mm -hmm. think about, trying to make sure that they hire assistants and, and trainees that are more from, from that are to, you know historically underrepresented. Um, editors did an amazing job of closing some of those pay gaps over these last few years. Mm -hmm. Even colorists, even <laughs> colorists who we've you know we've shat on pretty hard, but they deserved it for a while. It's um, just me. I did it. Um, Thomas forgives me. But you know they had a pretty bad. You know, diversity yeah. really, you know, mm -hmm. it was very, very, it was, it was 85%, I think, you know, only about three years ago of white men. Um, the effort that has been put in to change that is reflected in mm -hmm. the data. And the beautiful thing about data is that it is truth. It yeah. is there. It is actual people just anonymously telling you the truth. And, um, and that's the really beautiful thing. You know, they don't know what the, how they are compared to anyone else. So there's no activism going on there. If I, I personally do clean up the data. So if I see somebody putting in a bullshit answer, I just delete it. Um, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. I, if someone puts in... Well, that's what I was, I was going to ask, because yeah. if you look at the data, it is really clean. Yeah. It's, even, it's very formatted, like New York, not New York City. Right. Um, all of that so yeah. that you can actually sort it quickly. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask about this, though, is looking at this and how much content is actually here, you had shared that, like, ideally at least 3,000 responses. Ideally, yeah. No less. Like, then it's two, not even, you're not no even less doing than 2,000. In an ideal world, like, yeah, sure, if it was, like, the census or something and you had a million responses, but, like, to truly kind of, like, I mean. The more the better. That's right. it. The Do more you have the a sense even of like how many people are actually in post-production? No. So it's like definitely the more the better because Absolutely. then we can also, that could also be a data point of like, totally. what is the reach? How is sure. this? You know? I mean, the thing is that the data point here is only the reach of the survey. Mm -hmm. So, and the people have chosen to take it. Mm -hmm. Now, I work really hard, and again, thank you to Digital Film Tree and to all of the other supporting organizations and companies that are going to help me get better reach this year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but the reach is what is captured here. Mm -hmm. Now, I work really hard to make sure that that reach is as broad as possible. So I actually look at what's coming in and go, oh, too many editors. All right let's start targeting some other groups. Right. We don't have enough people from sound. I will go out and hit up people I know in sound and be like, yo, I need you to share this around the people that you know, your community. Because post-production is so big that it's made up of lots of different mini communities. Mm -hmm. And, and you'll, often, you'll often hear people getting FOMO at the end of the survey when they start seeing stats coming out and like, I didn't even mm -hmm. know about this. Right. And, and you're like, yeah, shit, I guess I didn't get enough sound people, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't want that. I want to make sure everybody gets the opportunity to benefit from this. Um, and, and so there are always going to be groups, and especially if you filter down the demographics so, so small that you're looking for the person that's just like you, mm -hmm. you might see 10 people. Yeah. But all, what, what that gives you is the opportunity to at least see what 10 other people are getting who are just like you. Yeah. So that's not gonna give me a good average and stats and pay gap data and all of that kind of thing. That's why that stuff's really broad and, and, and that's sort of why sometimes there are groups that are not represented in the larger chunks of data because there's just not enough of them right. and I, you know that, that to make something meaningful I'm not going to I'm not going to put shit out there because people are using it right so I'm not going to go out there and say well 
out of a sample of 10, the average was this. Um, so, but you know, I, so I do make sure that we get large enough samples of, of where it matters um, to be representative wherever we can. Um, and like I said, there's always going to be groups that are really small, particularly as we're looking at, for example, we've got, you know, uh, uh, gender non-conforming people uh, who identify as, as not part of the gender binary is about 2%. It's about 2% of the population. It's about 2% of the post-production population, which is nice, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're looking at 2% of the population and you're looking at a group that's reasonably small within post-production anyway, mm -hmm. then you start filtering down there. I'm not going to, you know, it's hard to get, you know, it's hard to get that when you're really looking at one or two people, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So those are the areas where sometimes you're not. I'm just not going to put that out as a definitive piece of data, as a definitive like this is what people get paid, because right. this is really what a small number of people get paid. Um, and also, I don't want to kind of out anybody. If you know, sure, like yeah. honestly, if there's like not that many people that look like you. <laughs> in the country doing exactly what you do. I don't want it to kind of be like, oh, that's what that guy gets paid. Uh, you know, so we yeah. keep it, um, you know, I try and keep it, that's the other reason why sometimes you don't see stats in the report. Um, but again, like I said, even if you are somebody who is very, you know, narrowly represented in exactly what you do, um, you might be looking at other um, COOs of post houses who are Middle Eastern mm -hmm. Uh, and you may find one. So, I mean, but also looking at this, yeah. uh, just last year, and this, I've scrolled through like 15 times and I'm just now realizing this just hit me like a wall. Types of content. Yeah. Other. Where it's like scripted episodic, yeah. uh, unscripted episodic, corporate branded, commercials, major features, docuseries, docufeatures, indie features, trailer promos, yeah. social media, animated other. series. Other. Right. Yeah. Like, holy crap. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of the, the post-production industry, the screen industry is huge. Yeah. And so, you know, I really Probably think... Probably yeah, more today than More ever. today than ever. You know, it's funny, I think when 2016, when I started doing this, you know, I had kind of web web-based content, web social, you know, and it was a tiny little thing. <laughs> I, I mean, you were talking to people face-to-face -face, yeah, as opposed to right. like, now it's like... You know, the people who cons who were professionals uh -huh. working in web and social content was really small. I just really love the way she says web. It's like you would estimate. I know. I love okay. it. It makes me so happy. I talk I'm so funny. sorry. We <laughs> all talk that's, that's just right. I suck funny, yeah. too. Makes me happy. But, um, yeah, it's cool it's that that's such a big thing now, and that it's actually a really cool thing that there's a lot of professionals working in that space yeah. too which is really neat so Do you yeah. find is there like actual also uh enough of like the higher-ups and existed yeah participate yeah and then that was one question and the second mm -hmm. one was because you did say that you after you would see the reports sometimes you would go back to your you yeah. know uh, colleagues my counterparts and, yes and kind of call them out exactly <laughs> thank you um what kind of what was the response so the thing is that, um, you know, obviously I can't call out specific companies. That's of not course. measured because that's not measured in this yeah. data. I don't ask who you're working for, right? right? <laughs> um, but what I can say is I would go to my counterparts and say, we need to do better. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. And it's we need to do better. What are you doing? I know what I'm doing. What are you doing? And 
And that was really what I mean by calling out my counterparts, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and so, um, you know, being able to do that and, and say, hey, look, you know, um, and, and there was a lot, I don't, you know, it's been, it's been a million years since 2020, but in 2020, a lot of companies were out there saying, you know, with the Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movement, saying, oh, we have this commitment to diversity. We're so awesome at this. Um, I, I'd sort of slowly maybe go onto their website and go, mm, you're X percent, how many percent, what percentage of people do you have there that are people of color? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I'd kind of go, hey, look, you know, here is where you can, here's where you can maybe actually put some of that effort. Um, are you going to, you know, you're going to hire some more, you know, people of color as interns. That's not really what you need to be doing. Um, and, but that's having that conversation, starting that conversation is really the most important part of this work for me, is that if we don't, we don't know and we can't fix what we don't measure. If we don't know where the problem is, then we're gonna throw whatever small number of resources we have everywhere and see what right. sticks. But what this can provide is where you can target it. We, it you should be really, really specific here. You know, I mean, for example, you, know, you can actually see that uh, people of color um, have, you know, are underpaid, are overpaid compared to their white counterparts and overrepresented at year zero of their career. So we're, people we're hiring right us. Oh, right, wow. Right? To like attract them to come right. in. At year one, they're underpaid. Wow. And underrepresented significantly at year one. So interns, yes. Hiring out of the internship, Mm -mm. Now, and then what's really interesting, that at about three to five years, it gets a little parody in here. Mm -hmm. And now, what are you doing at three to five years? You're an assistant, mm -hmm. right? Sure. So yeah, people are hiring assistants. Cool. What happens once you're at 10 years? You're a professional. Mm -hmm. That's where the biggest pay gaps are, racially. Biggest racial pay people gaps. People know how to make the jump and how to negotiate Which, what that. What that shows is the jump, is that people are getting hired and valued right. as assistants and at the junior level and not at the next, not getting at the next level. The data can show you that. And so you can go, wow, that's something we need to recognize. Yes. And we see it, well, let's recognize it. Let's go, oh, let's actually try and correct. Let's try and correct that. Mm -hmm. So let's make sure that while, yep, Let's hire a bunch of assistants who are underrepresented, cool man, but let's make sure that next season we hire them as full editors. That's the difference. Not that right. we hire another bunch of assistants next year who are people of color. Yeah. Cool, let's keep doing that and churning out a bunch of assistants, not churning out a bunch of editors and colorists and not graduating them. That's what, we'll, that's what we see in the data. Right. Um, and so I think that's a really valuable thing for us to have, to see those little targeted spots and and that look at somebody who's a year into their career and say, ah, now <laughs> let's make sure that we're actually doing the same thing for you as we're doing for right. everybody else. Or for that individual to know mm -hmm. what to ask for. Exactly, like, so yeah. They, you know. yeah. So also kind of um, people who shouldn't answer this survey, even though I personally feel it takes a certain kind of finance person, billing person to be able to handle post-production needs, that's not what we're talking about here. Why not? Right. You work in post-production. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So is it, if it's a translatable skill, we're like finance and billing or But are like you insurance? working in post-production? Okay. 
That's the thing. I, I think we should capture everybody who's working in post-production yeah. because it gives us a sense of who the, our community is. Okay. This is a snapshot of our community. And there are lots of people in our community. And, and so if you're at a post house and you're doing finance and billing, cool that's you're in post right yeah that's gonna if you you know that's gonna be a value the, the way that i often say is like would this be a value to someone else mm -hmm. right yeah. yeah okay you heard it here first my <laughs> my billing coordinator go fill out the survey she's gonna be like well i don't really work in post-production i just but bill for it you work at a post you house do. yeah you do 100 yeah you do i mean if you're in client services that's captured yeah mm-hmm you know, I think that, that that it's important to capture everybody and what is done with the data, that's up to somebody else who wants to access that, mm -hmm. right? And there's there, chances are there's another billing coordinator at a post house who's wanting to Absolutely. know. So let's go, you know. The, the, the people who, who are excluded from the survey are people who don't work in post-production. So there are folks who work in hair and makeup. Right. And for example, um, thank you, but that's going to get cleaned out. Um, there are often folks who I even think about it, I'm like, I don't know, is that, is a gray area? They stay because it may be a value to mm -hmm. someone else who also thinks that's a gray right. area. Mm -hmm. um, it's really folks who are um, professionally, predominantly in post-production. You know, and, and like I said, you know, I mean, there's people who are predators, content creators, right. you know, a big part of what you do is post-production. You're part of the industry. You're right. part of our community. So, um, yeah, I don't think, um, you know, really that the raw data is so valuable. It could be valuable for so many other people. And then the aggregate data just doesn't include, you know, it's so big, it doesn't really matter, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Again, another reason for the bigger, yeah, better. Yeah, the bigger data set is better. What was better. the largest response that you've had to date? Of how many people? Yeah. Of valid, like, useful like actually by the end of it? I think that was, I think we've had about 2,800 was probably our biggest one. All right, we've got a benchmark to, yeah. but, to clear yeah. here. Um, <laughs> last year was, was kind of low because again, I was struggling to get that reach. Um, you know, you know, full disclosure, a few years ago, I took a job where I had to get off social media, largely off social media. So I, mm -hmm. I don't have the reach that I used to have. So last year it was um, 2050 valid and complete responses. Mm -hmm. um, and But previous years, there's been significantly more. So um, I'm hoping that we can get over 3000 this year. And I think that'll get us a really good data set. Well, that's awesome. I think another prediction. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I want to. I want to thank uh, Key Code Media, Mixing Light, uh, Flanders Scientific, Edit Share, Gals and Gear, Post Perspective, Cut Daily, Black Film Space, Alliance of Documentary Editors, Flying Turtle Post. Yeah. I haven't met them. Park, Park Post, Post Soupy, mm -hmm. Women in VFX, and is this OHA or is it OHA? up top there between us and oh that's art house audio yeah oh. that's art house yeah yeah that's just some of the organizations that have pledged their support to uh you know loan me their reach for a month yeah. to help spread the word about the survey um there's a bunch of other smaller organizations there's folks who run reddit groups who've said right i'm gonna i'm gonna hit this one awesome. hard 
Um, there's individuals who have, you know, really are really good at social media, who, yeah. Um, yeah. who have also offered to help out. Um, and I'm still out there hitting people up, uh, you know, all month. I'm just going to keep on hitting people up to really help spread the word. So, um, you know, at time of filming, this is right before we launch mm -hmm. um, the survey. The survey is going to open for the month of November. Um, so it will open on November the 1st. It is scheduled to close at the end of November, but because we have the holidays, if we don't hit the mark of the target of 2,500, which today, which is my target, is 2,500 responses. Mm -hmm. If I don't hit it, um, or I'm not feeling like it's, you know, we're, we're there, um, we're not representative, if nobody from visual effects answers or something like that, um, I'll open it. We will about, answer. Yeah. I was like, talk no. about an impassioned community right yeah. now. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, will, I will hit, um, you know, then I'll, I'll hit another week. You know, I'll mm -hmm. open it for another week. I've done that before. Open it for another week. Um, and so, you know, but the idea is that I just, I, we get that data and then I crunch the numbers for a few weeks. Um, I kind of... I spent a few weekends deep in it um, and put out that report. And every year people are like, where's the report? <laughs> well, honestly, um, this is That's probably going to be... It's amazing that people are waiting for it. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I think the latest I've I put out the report has been like right after Thanksgiving. And I spent the Thanksgiving weekend doing it. And it's like a month after everyone's finished doing the survey and I know people are really really keen to get that information wow. because they've contributed and they want to see back what what how they how they stack up um, please have patience with me <laughs> <laughs> I think this year probably everybody will be forced to have patience with you because there also true. isn't necessarily going to be uh, work around that time and so it, if anything it's more preparatory yeah. that they actually have time to digest the information mm -hmm. and go into hiring cycles that much more equipped yeah. because uh, maybe this is a good kind of stretch of time if like yeah. this is when we yeah. re regardless of strike because mm -hmm. even still as we can see yeah. you know it's not just films and television yeah. but during a time like this where people could actually then take a second we know that largely mm -hmm. most work goes dark around right. this time yeah that then if they get the report what a stocking stuffer. <laughs> and then they come back at it. Yes. So Yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be really great. I think this is going to be an interesting time when people come back. Um, there's going to be a whole lot of demand all at once. Yes. And okay. so it's going to be really, really interesting. I know there's so many folks that have been impacted and it's been really, really hard for a lot of people. So I hope that this information empowers the individuals to get paid what they're worth and then some because yeah. of the demand. Um, but at the same time, I really also hope that it guides the hiring, the hiring managers, the, the production managers, the post house folks um, to really see what the value is of folks and to also see where they need to uh, just cut out their blind spots and, yeah. and try and do better. Mm -hmm. and, and, so, and also where to find people. That's the other thing that it does show. Um, you know, where, where are those people? Right. And so you can, you know, you can kind of see all oh, these people are working in this these people are working in this. There's a whole lot of them doing this stuff. Let's go and go into mm -hmm. that kind of space and see who we can find. Um, so, yeah. And I'm so sorry. This is fascinating because uh, <laughs> it's actually probably a good place to wrap up. But um, one, how do you then disseminate this information? I know you'll put it up on, on the website. On the website mm -hmm. um, but historically, how else have you shared it and disseminated it? Sure. 
Um, um, obviously, social media. Mm -hmm. One of the things is during the course, while the survey is still open, I always post mm -hmm. out fetal tidbits of preliminary data that I find interesting. Mm -hmm. And then it gets more. Especially once we get, uh, and once I get the first thousand responses, mm -hmm. it's usually. Um, the editors are the keen ones. They get in there first, so I get a lot of mm -hmm. information about editors I real quick. Editors. Right? <laughs> I love editors. They're all the good boys and girls. <laughs> um, they they do what they're asked, and um, so I'm able to put out little bits of information about the you know the first thousand you know from the first thousand people that have mm -hmm. you know done the survey. Here's what we see. Um, which is really cool. So that, that'll go out on social media and all of the partner um, companies and organizations that are also helping get that information out, you can follow them too because they'll also be pumping that out. Mm -hmm. And then when the report and the raw data is available, the raw data will be available well before the report. Mm -hmm. um, that'll be available as soon as I've cleaned it up um, mm -hmm. pretty much right after we close. I clean it up every night during the month. So I, I keep keep that nice and tidy wow. and then um, so that'll be available so so you know follow all of these organizations they will get you that information of when it's available where to find it but you can find it on postproductiondata.com um, it'll be there soon that'll be the first place you'll see it um, and then the when the uh, report is ready that'll be posted there as well um, you know I, I'm really hoping that we can yell as loudly as possible all of the findings that we have so that people can get paid what they're worth. And that's really what it's all about. Amazing. All right. I think I, I think we have our work cut out for us. Today. Yes. Hell yeah. I think we can do it. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for doing this work. Thank you for inviting us into it. And thank you for uh, signing up for one more year of this. We appreciate you. <laughs> and we do sincerely hope that you will come back and join us yeah. on the drop to talk about Of it. course, yeah. I mean, honestly, thank you so much. It, you, you know, you have to know this. These two women, it was their idea to, to get me to actually do this. It was because of them that I'm actually doing this for another year. I actually thought, I don't know if I can do this again. I, I just don't, it's not gonna work. I don't have the reach. And Nancy reached out to me mm -hmm. and said, hey, I think we might be able to help. And we got on a Zoom call and these two said, what if we gave you our reach, our social media, our mailing list, and maybe you could get some other companies to do the same? And I went, aha, <laughs> brilliant. So I have to say, I have to give full credit to the two of you for really- Of Avatar. Yeah, yeah. So thank it's, you. It's mostly her. But, it's mostly but, her. <laughs> But yes, yeah. No, we it, were very excited. It's yeah. it's definitely close to heart. I think yep. like it shows how serious you guys are about this. And, and 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 there's a lot of talk out there, but this is action. And the and the companies and organizations that are supporting this are the ones who really are committed to real action to make the industry a better place. Yeah. All right, folks. We'll see you next time on the drop.